0: what's up everybody welcome back to the rest of season rankings fantasy football podcast i'm your host andrew seifter joined as always by my co-host bart wheeler it is monday night on the east coast and the packers and the raiders are underway and unfortunately aaron jones is not playing so i will be losing my scott fishbowl matchup Mm. just a little bit bitter about that couldn't make a substitution uh not that there were good options anyway but hopefully <laughs> Bart your your matchups going better than mine so far yeah i i
1: still have a couple going one of which i'm playing against AJ Dillon so i was like betting over on some of his props thinking he'll at least get 50 rushing yards maybe a touchdown um, but my opponent needs quite a bit from AJ Dillons and right now the game is pretty slow not a, not a ton of scoring and you know your Aaron Jones predicament it stinks that that's that happened but it's it's also for the bigger audience it's also just a reminder to make sure you get those guys in your flex positions because you know if he was in your running back position and you were able to substitute out you don't think you'd only you your options would be very limited but some some people out there probably had a similar situation right and then they were able to sub in like a Hunter Renfro or Jaden Reed or someone like that
0: yeah this is actually the first time in my i think in my entire history of playing fantasy football that I've ever had to go into a game with a player who's not active oh. because <laughs> I, I just, I've never let it, I mean, I've been playing this for 20 years. I've never let that happen, but it's, you know, whatever. It's Scott Fishbowl, it's for charity. It's its so much fun to be in that league. I'm not going to complain about it too much. I mean, yeah. there's like 3,000 people in that league. So uh, getting any sort of special treatment or <laughs> special rule change for, for fairness for one person isn't going to happen. And I understand that. So it's fine. I, you know, the weird thing is just that the players were free agents yesterday yeah. And not today. So it's only the Monday night players that that are not free agents up till their game. So I was kind of thinking I could swoop in and and grab a Hunter Renfro or something like that <laughs> at the last minute if I needed to. Um, but then I saw, sadly, that was not not a, not possible. I also did not think Aaron Jones was going to be out this game. Honestly, that was yeah. kind of shocking, given that he played last week.
1: Yeah, no, like it's. I, I definitely thought he would play, and it. Yeah. It stinks. And it's, it's also like know your league rules. Um, not necessarily that one, but also like, you know, I'm in an ESPN league where like, you can't do the Yahoo thing where you've played a guy and then you could pick up someone else. Like you can't do that in ESPN league. I've never played in a CBS league, but I would imagine they have different rules too, but I'm in a lot of Yahoo. I'm in a couple sleeper. Um, but, uh, and want that one ESPN. Uh, there's lots of, lots of, uh, platforms
0: out there, but yep. Now we, now we know for the, for Scott fishbowl, right? <laughs> Maybe it's karma for all the times I've taking advantage of those Yahoo rules because I'm mostly <laughs> yeah. in Yahoo leagues too. And I'll just sometimes cycle through like second oh, yeah. string running backs with like my bench spots, just Absolutely. like pick up a guy for the, the one o'clock games and then a different guy for the four o'clock games, different guy Sunday night, different guy Monday. And, and now with the London game and the Thursday night game, you could just do that for like <laughs> five different games players in one roster spot
1: <laughs> absolutely and I love doing it with running backs I mean I, I it actually got me Jerome Ford in a league this year I mean it stinks when guys get injured but if you're playing that game you might luck out into into to beat the waiver wire
0: situation yeah I guess that's why it might be bad karma because you're yeah. basically betting on an injury <laughs> yeah I know but whatever we you know we, we have no control over what happens <laughs> anyway it's so it's uh it's a violent game and we just uh we're just sitting on a computer and you know <laughs> counting stats oh, so that, that's tell, just the way it
1: is tell that to my wife who was like debating on which raven's t-shirt she would wear on sunday or not because she felt like it was oh well, this is my game day shirt like this one's bad luck i'm like i don't i hate to break it to you honey but this has zero impact on the game but i don't know she <laughs> seems to think
0: it does <laughs> I I used to think that kind of stuff, or at least I I convinced myself of it that I had to wear my lucky hat or whatever, and uh and then I then I uh turned twenty. <laughs> just, just, just kidding, not not meaning to raise your wife on, on our pot. <laughs> That's okay, she didn't listen. All right, good. <laughs> All right, so as as we are now doing on Mondays, we're gonna um run through each game for our our biggest fantasy takeaways. We have new rest-of-season rankings up on rosrankings.com, so you can go there and check that out. As we go through the games, we're going to talk about uh, some of the biggest movers and shakers in our rest-of-season rankings based on what happened in Week 5. And, of course, uh, we will have our weekly rankings uh, for Week 6 up on the site uh in, in a matter of a couple days uh so make sure to keep an eye out for that as well uh but bart why don't we just jump right into it here
1: let's and do we'll,
0: we'll start with the thursday night game where your boy justin fields <laughs> had another another big game yeah uh, you know last week it was easy to say oh this was against denver um this week i thought the commanders were better defense than denver but i watching this game i'm not so sure anymore
1: yeah, man. I mean, Fields, it's it's one of those things, like, a week ago we were talking about, like, is Fields back in the top 10 conversations? Sure thing. And now, now I'm feeling much better about it, obviously, after back-to-back. Um, and I've moved Fields up to my QB 8, uh, right there with, like, Lamar Jackson. Uh, I've got him kind of wedged in between him and Joe Burrow. So I think, like, that's where, you know, especially if Fields starts running more, like he did in this game. He had a lot of design runs, you know, double-digit carries. That's what I really wanted to start seeing. And obviously... He had the passing touchdowns. Uh, DJ Moore was, I believe, I'm looking it up. I think he was the number one uh, wide receiver in half PPR uh, on the on the week. Uh,
0: I would hope right? so, with uh, 230 yards and three touchdowns. Well, Jamar <laughs> Chase said uh, something to do with it too. Well, he was right behind him, but we'll get to that game. But yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, I also moved DJ Moore up quite a bit. Uh, I don't think you moved him up quite as much, but um, yeah, I'm I mean, I'm believing in these little baby bears a little bit
0: okay yeah i'm still i'm still a little bit skeptical i mean i thought this commander defense was just atrociously bad in this game like because you look at it and dj first of all dj moore was the only wide receiver on the bears that caught a single pass in this game and he only (laughs) ran two different types of routes there were like uh charts on you know floating around on, on social media of like the the routes that he ran and it was very very basic stuff and the commanders made no adjustment to it they there were at least two or three plays where he like did a little out to the sideline and caught the ball and the commander's player like overran it Mm -hmm. and then he could just run up the sideline for like another 30 yards like that happened more than once and so I don't want to I'm still a little skeptical that Justin Fields can pass the ball effectively uh, against a good defense but there are some bad defenses in the NFL. So this will maybe not be the only game the rest of the season he gets to play against a bad defense. Uh it definitely, you know, pumps the brakes on my Tyson Badgent uh excitement in our, <laughs> our dynasty league. I don't see uh, Justin Fields getting benched anytime soon at this point after two huge performances in a row. And this one they actually won the game finally. So yep. buys him a little leash at the very least. But yeah, I agree with your point about the rushing. I mean, that's where the that's the fantasy cheat code that Justin Fields can have so and we saw that last season I mean if he's rushing the ball double digit times he's got a very good chance to finish any given week as a top 10 uh, fantasy quarterback so that's definitely encouraging to see
1: yeah and this season's young obviously but like he hasn't broken off a run longer than 20 yards and I'm looking at his game log last year he was doing that every week you know he was having like 60 yard runs on the regular. So it's like if he can do this in the with, the, with in the passing game with dj moore you're right like especially that last drive uh you know where i think it was uh fuller who like went for it and then there was zero safety help so it was like it was just they needed that you know washington did to try to just stay in the game and you know that padded
0: the stats a little bit more but yeah, yeah like so yeah when you say you have him as your qb8 so like who's right behind him for you
1: yeah so i've got uh I've got Fields – actually, I've got Fields at seven, and then I've got Burrow at eight, and Cousins at nine. So it's like okay. I'm, I'm putting him ahead of these guys who don't have a whole lot of rushing upside, right?
0: Yeah, I would definitely say that's true about those guys. But um, I I actually have him quite a bit lower than you, I guess, because I do – I also have him below Brock Purdy, Trevor Lawrence, and Geno Smith right now. Mm. Um, so I have him kind of at the top of the next tier of quarterbacks – Uh, you know who I have him back to back with is Anthony Richardson because I would definitely rather have Anthony Richardson if he was healthy but (laughs) he's gonna miss a month now probably or maybe more so maybe I shouldn't even have Richardson uh, up there with fields but again with these rankings I'm looking at like um, trade value and rest of season value so not just like how many fantasy points they're going to put up from now to the end of the season you know so it's like in single quarterback leagues like you can probably survive okay for a month with another quarterback and if anthony richardson is back for the second half of the season um or you know the last six eight weeks of the season then um i think he might be a better option than fields once he's back but uh you know that's 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 they're similar uh in the sense that the the rushing value is going to be the key for them,
1: yep, and meanwhile I've moved fields up to like a tier with Lamar almost like <laughs> i mean i'm I'm looking at it a little bit the other way, so like i'm 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 definitely more on the upside of fields uh you're you're seeing glass half empty a little bit more for sure, like we differ a little bit on this one that's okay,
0: yeah, I mean it's just like i I just remember two weeks ago I was worried he was going to get benched, and I was just you know too. <laughs> matchups against really bad defenses like i would like if he can if he can have a good game against a a, a bona fide top half of the league defense i think i'll feel a lot better about him and probably move him up quite a bit
1: yep Um, on my big takeaway on the washington side of the ball is logan thomas uh i liked him coming into this game you know he had a good game against philly i think they play philly again here coming up pretty soon he had 11 targets uh 77 yards on nine catches had a touchdown He was making plays when they needed him, you know, getting first down, diving for first downs. He did have a fumble, which, you know, even just he could have had an even better day, assuming that you get some negative points for fumbles. So Logan was a huge part of this offense. The receivers really weren't like they probably will be, you know, at times moving forward. But this was promising in kind of a tight end, you know, position, which is a little bit of a wasteland at times. Like I'm looking at Logan Thomas versus Kyle Pitts, you know, this week in a league, and I'm probably starting Logan i made the wrong choice starting pits uh this week but a lot of tight ends ate in week five so couldn't make too much of a wrong choice but next week i think i might be going with logan
0: interesting interesting uh for me on the washington side first i'll give a shout out to sam howell because like it's not always pretty with sam howell much like it's not always pretty with justin fields but like he's been a top 14 quarterback in four of the first five weeks in fantasy. Uh, He's like the bad, it's, it's, he takes so many sacks and, um, you know, has a lot of uh, things to to work out if he wants to be a long-term answer for the commanders at quarterback. But like from a fantasy perspective, he can run a little bit and he definitely is a a gunslinger and not afraid to, to make big plays in the passing game. So, um yeah, you know, I could see a scenario where Howell ends up being better than Fields rest of season. Like, I don't think that's <laughs> at all outside the realm of possibility. And I think he's actually underrated as like a QB streamer. And I had him as like a top ten quarterback for this matchup, and uh, it ended up working out that way. Um, and then the other thing I'll just say is uh, Curtis Samuel has finished ahead of Jahan Dotson in fantasy scoring all five weeks mm. <laughs> this season so far. <laughs> uh, so. You know, this is a really frustrating team for fantasy, in my opinion, because they spread the ball around so much. Like, you're right about Logan Thomas, because not many tight ends even have a possibility of getting 11 targets in a game like he got in this game. But I don't think he's going to get 11 targets every single week. There's just, you never know who's going to get targets. It's really spread out. And that, to, to me, the biggest losers in that are Terry McLaurin and John Dotson. So they both have tumbled down my rankings, because I just don't think they're getting the type of target share you would expect from a number one and number two receiver on a team I mean Sam Howell threw for 388 yards in this game and Terry McLaurin caught four for 49 John Dotson three for 30 I mean that's crazy like so I'm going to be ranking Curtis Samuel ahead of Jahan Dotson going forward and Terry McLaurin is I don't not I'm not sure you can even count on him as a wide receiver too like he seems more like a wide receiver three to me at this point
1: yeah I think those are good points and I'm just pointing out that uh Curtis Samuel 17% rostered in Yahoo so you know if you're looking at waivers coming up like he's he's someone not only can you get him, you won't I mean you could probably bid a dollar or two on Curtis Samuel and you might have a flex play um and yeah I wouldn't work like those other guys are falling down my rankings as well
0: all right so let's move on to Sunday's games we'll start with the early game in London uh the Jaguars 25 and the Bills 20 and uh you know, I um, I was listening to I believe the four for four podcast uh, this morning, and they making a good point about you know this was technically a home game for Buffalo, but this was the second week in a row Jacksonville had played in London. So um, I think Roger Goodell was making some comments about like this is like a a test case to see like how big is that advantage for a team to get to play two weeks in a row in London because someday there might be a team that plays all their home games in London. So Mm. uh, if that's something to judge by, I mean, (laughs) the Jaguars played a lot better than the Bills in this game. It ended up being fairly close, but really it wasn't that competitive in terms of the performance. I mean, the Bills didn't look particularly great in this game, but uh, I'm not reading very much into that. I I think we know what the Bills are. The The one thing I have to say about the Bills is that James Cook is not necessarily the bell cow back that it looked like he was going to be early in the season like his his snap shares are just um they're fine but like uh you know Damian Harris is starting to get involved a little bit more and Latavius Murray was already involved a bit so like um I feel like James Cook is ba- he's capping out at about 60% of the snaps and um you know I think Latavius Murray still has more goal line carries than him and uh you know in the in the passing game it's it's not um I mean Cook actually did catch three balls in this game but yeah um he's not been like a huge focal point in the passing game either so I still think he's an RB two, but like um he's just churning down a little bit for me
1: yeah I we were talking about this before we recorded and you know I love James Cook coming in to the season so like I have a hard time moving him down, right? Like I, I have these preconceived like I liked him coming in a lot, and like you said, you know he's been right around that sixty percent snap share, uh, which to me is fine. Like that's kind of what I expected from James Cook. I didn't expect him to be the goal line back. I expect him to score some touchdowns from the you know twenty five yard line, right? Break off a big catch and run, or or run, or, you know, draw play or something. So I'm fine with James Cook being an RB two. I think that's probably what he is. Uh, like you said, so I, I agree with you, but. I'm not really moving him down that much because this is a game, like you said, the Jags are really in control of this. And, you know, he only had five carries in this game. Um, he he was involved in the past game a little bit, like you said. But they just, they didn't have the control of this game. And the Jags really did. And that's why Travis Etienne was really awesome in this game. And I actually bet on him. I've been starting to look at um, some head-to-head matchups. I actually bet on Etienne versus James Cook, who would have more rushing yards. And that was a sweat-free <laughs> play if I ever had one.
0: Yeah, right.
1: And, and honestly, like... I'm, I might start looking at the Bills a little bit, like, to run against. Because, like, you can run against the Bills. I, I mean, teams can maybe get in situations where, um, you know, it doesn't work out that way. But, like, if I find a good matchup where it's a good team that can hang with them, like the Dolphins, like the Jags, I might look at the other side and think that they're going to try to attack them with the run.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good call. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think, like, at this point, um, it just feels like – uh Travis Etienne is a total bell cow. I mean, like, he's he's getting over 80% of the snaps uh, yep. every week at this point. And Tank Bigsby uh, is still interesting as, like, a handcuff. Um, and he and Bigsby still does get plenty of snaps in the red zone. So that's, that's something you can hang your hat on, like, in a desperation situation. Like, with bye weeks, you could plug Bigsby in and hope that he gets a touchdown. Like, I, I actually bet on him to get a touchdown. This game didn't work out, <laughs> but... Uh, you can get pretty good odds on that uh, bet because he doesn't play all that much, but the touches he does get much like Latavius Murray are often inside the red zone. So, uh, but ETN is just, I mean, he he scored two touchdowns on the ground in this game and uh, he's trending up in a big way. Like I think he's, he's definitely um, worked his way into the top 10 running backs and probably even getting close to the top five at this point.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and I agree with you on Bigsby. Uh, unfortunately, like, he is an injury away at this point. He's like a high. He's a, he's a handcuff, uh, like you said. And there's just so many other rookies who have gotten the opportunity already. Like we talked about, Jalil McLaughlin last last week. We'll, we can talk about him again. Achan, of course. Uh, you know, just there's so many rookies who are. Tajay Spears is you know needs to be rostered in more leagues. So there's a lot of rookies who have a little bit more standalone value, which Bigsby just doesn't have right now.
0: Yep. Yep. And then on the receiver front with Jacksonville, you know, Calvin Ridley had the good game, um, but he and Kirk both, uh, I mean, they both had good games, but they Mm -hmm. both had eight targets. So uh, week to week, I think it's going to be hard to tell between those two who's going to be the top dog. Um, But uh, you know, Zay Jones came back in this game, but then I believe he got dinged up during the game as well. So we'll have to see how he gets worked back in, but um, all these weapons for Trevor Lawrence and, and, uh, you hope Trevor Lawrence will start to trend up a little bit because yeah. he's he's been a little disappointing for fantasy. I mean, he was the QB eight in Week one, but he hasn't been uh, inside the top fifteen quarterbacks since then.
1: Yeah, I mean, he could make for a nice buy low. I mean, when you're talking about like guys who are outside of my top ten fantasy quarterbacks, he's up there. Um, but they, you know, he gets he still gets to play he gets to play Indy again. He he was the QB eight against them in Week one. And then he's had you know he has a week nine bye. He's got Tennessee a couple times. Uh well, one of them's in week eighteen, so that stinks. But like he has some better matchups ahead. So like if you're if you're looking at quarterback and you're struggling, like he could be he could be a buy low because his his fantasy manager is just kinda like might be a little frustrated with, with Trevor Lawrence,
0: but the dude has awesome upside. He does. Although I do also think that, you know, his draft day price was kind of there was some ups there was some growth baked into the price. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So um, that's the one concern I have is like, is he really a buy low or are people still basically, uh, overrating Trevor Lawrence because of the draft pedigree, because he's on a team with a lot of weapons, a good team, It's possible. um, you know, cause with the way ETN's running the ball, I mean, they don't necessarily need to be a high volume passing offense. So we'll, we'll have to see. I, I still think he's a, a QB one, but like, um, I just, I, I, I'd be interested to see like some recent trades involving him. Cause I don't know if the people that drafted him, they might still be pretty convinced he's going to have that breakout you're talking about. Yep. All right. Uh, so moving on to the next game, it's the Falcons 21 and the Texans 19. And, you know, when I watch the games at home, I uh, when I had uh, DirecTV, I used to do the Octobox with eight games, <laughs> and now it's just four uh, games. So I didn't, this game got squeezed out for me. It was not one of the four uh, that I had on the screen for at one o'clock Eastern time. Um, so I didn't, really watch much of this game, but it's it's a head-scratching game to me with the Falcons. I mean, yep. I, this just did not go at all how I was expecting it to go. I mean, the fact it was a close game is not surprising to me, but the fact that the Falcons could not run the ball effectively at all, that, you know, Bijan Robinson... 14 carries for 46 yards. That's a 3.3-yard average. Tyler Algier, 17 carries for 40 (laughs) yards, 2.4 yards per carry. And then, meanwhile, Desmond Ritter goes out and has the best game of his career, throwing for 329 yards. I bet (laughs) that he would throw for under 180 yards in this game on a prop. Uh, So, yeah, (laughs) maybe I motivated him or something. I don't know, but – the fact he threw for all that yardage, of course, means we finally get a good game from Kyle Pitts and Drake London at the same time. Yeah, uh, which is something I don't remember <laughs> ever happening before.
1: <laughs> no, and like the stars aligned for me in our dynasty league because Geno Smith was on his bye week, and so I was forced to start Desmond Ritter in my super flex spot, and he just happened to have the best game of his career. So that that worked out really nicely in a game like you said. It, this should have been Bijan Robinson. You know, has a hundred yards and a couple touchdowns. Now, he did have that awesome touchdown, which was basically like a shovel pass that he caught on his hip, and that was just ridiculous. So, my anytime touchdown bet, which I tweeted out, was Bijan for this week. Like, I'm I'm trying to be selective with my, you know, picks, and so far, I've been profitable every week. He was the only one I, I tweeted out this week, so it hit. So, I was glad to see that.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. But yeah, I mean, the, the Texans are usually a huge run-funnel defense, yeah, and they're really usually tough against uh, opposing passing games. So, this was just, like, I, I told someone to play Tyler Algier because I thought, and he did end up getting 17 carries in this game. Like, usually if Tyler Algier gets 17 carries against a bad run defense, like, he's going to have a pretty good fantasy day. And that, that just it wasn't the case in this game
1: yep and uh Tank Dell picked up an injury I think a concussion uh so I would expect him to miss a week so with a concussion now it looks like Luke Musgrave is playing tonight so it, at least we're getting a, a guy here or there who gets a concussion and, and comes back the the next week um but yeah Tank Dell I still like him rest of season uh, among all these receivers you know Nico Collins was a bit quiet here Robert Woods had nine targets didn't do a whole lot with him so for me it's, it's Tank Dell for sure like he might miss a week but he, he's the receiver I want here and Dalton Schultz Second week in a row, he's been very productive, which is something, again, this is like the tight end week. Even Dalton Schultz had a good game, so you can look at him if you're kind of dumpster diving for tight ends, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I think he may have benefited from Dell being out, and then mm-hmm. I, I I believe Woods might have missed some series in this game, too, being a little dinged up. Uh, of course, he's still got nine targets, so he couldn't have missed that much time, but uh, again, this was not the game I watched. Um. So, yeah, I you know, I, I think... I I still have trouble differentiating between Dell and Collins in terms of who I would prefer to have, but I think they're both still wide receiver threes, uh, going forward for me.
1: Yeah, and Stroud was a little quieter in this game. Like we've talked about how the Falcons will kind of slow the pace down. Like they ran the ball a ton, obviously they weren't efficient, but they still somehow could just control the clock. And, you know, Stroud Stroud's a guy too. Like I, I didn't want to not mention him because he's still someone who should be rostered and could be thrown for three hundred plus yards you know, any given week, especially when they're trailing in games and things like that. So Stroud just continues to be a guy
0: who needs to be rostered in, like, most leagues. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so moving on to the next game, it was the Lions 42 and the Panthers 24. Uh, this game was even more lopsided than that score would suggest. I mean, it was 14 nothing Lions after the first quarter. It was 28-10 to at halftime. Uh, So, you know, there was a lot of garbage time, Mm -hmm. honestly, in the second half of this game. And that might be one reason that Chuba Hubbard uh, got more carries than Miles Sanders uh, in this game. The other reason, of course, might be that Miles Sanders has been nursing a groin injury and may not still be fully uh, at at full health. But, um, I mean, it's just, you know, Bryce Young ended up throwing three touchdowns in this game, but it's still really hard to feel confident at all on Bryce Young I mean you know Anthony Richardson and and uh CJ Stroud have just shown so much more uh than Bryce Young so far this season and I, again they have more to work with than he does but um the Panthers are just one of those offenses you you don't want a lot to do with I mean Adam Thielen is kind of uh their main man right now I mean he, I think he's a wide receiver too um I, I said this last week I think he's a wide receiver too every week until proven otherwise. But uh, beyond that, it's it's pretty tough with this team right now.
1: Yeah, I didn't think I'd be you know agreeing with you here, but Adam Thielen just keeps on doing it. Like he's someone I just thought I was kind of leaving for dead in fantasy, to be honest. So I'll take the early L on Thielen. He's moving up my rankings as well, and I would agree with you. Like especially if you're going to have garbage time like this, like it's going to go to the receivers. And I think what's interesting with the snap counts now that um, Mingo was healthy, you know, he was back in there. Playing a lot of snaps, running a lot of routes, so he was involved too. So I think like for you know someone who could maybe shine a little bit in the second half, Mingo you know was out with a concussion last week. So in deep leagues, I still like Mingo because Thielen could pick up an injury any <laughs> any day. You know, kind of the same reason why I like Rashid Shahid. I don't want to wish an injury on your boy Michael Thomas, but like we've seen it before. So these old guys, I kind of like to have the young guy behind him who's who's looking okay.
0: Yeah, I get that. It's just those offenses are not the most exciting offenses is the other. Is the other problem there but um i i will also just say on hubbard like he's a waiver wire name this week and yeah um he is you know he is getting more involved but don't be under the impression that he's going to steal the starting job from miles sanders like that's not going to happen so like i think he's been more involved because of sanders nursing an injury and because of game grip just you know garbage time kind of stuff so Uh, you know Hubbard is okay like as a backup running back goes because he he gets a little he gets more involved than some backup running backs Um, but uh, I you know I don't really see a ton of upside with him honestly
1: yeah I would agree and like you said you said earlier like this is just an offense you don't necessarily want to invest in and like Miles Sanders has moved down my board Uh, Chuba's come up a little bit but yeah he's not he's not just gonna like overtake him but I've moved Miles Sanders below guys like Jalen Warren Jaleel, Jaleel McLaughlin who we talked about like I just I keep moving Sanders down obviously he's dealing with this growing injury like you mentioned but I'm just looking at guys who are just performing better Um, in some cases on better offenses maybe not those two guys but there's some others who I just have moved ahead of uh, Sanders as well
0: yeah I've moved him down too. not quite as much as you but like he and Ramondre Stevenson are yep um, they're sort of like one step removed from being Najee Harris for me so like they need to start showing something
1: (laughs) oh Najee all right. Well, we'll get to him. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like, what kind of takeaways you want to do on the Detroit side, because like David Montgomery keeps climbing. Like he's like a borderline. I mean, he is an RB one. Like he's, if I was redrafting today, I would be considering him at the end of like the first round of a draft. And mm-hmm. Jameer Gibbs was not active for this game, but it doesn't really matter, even if Gibbs, you know, when he is active, and Amon, we should say Amon Ross St. Brown was inactive for this game as well. So we knew this was going to be a big David Montgomery game, but like you know he had a huge game last week when all both of those guys were active he had like almost twice as many carries uh salting away the game so he can do it uh, multiple ways and yeah he's been finding the, the end zone uh, pretty much every week i think
0: yeah i've got him currently as my rb7 so yeah. i have him ahead of such names as Derek henry josh jacobs saquon barkley among others uh joe mixon m- names like that so yep um so yeah i i mean this is just a dream setup for him he's going to get so many touchdowns this season like somebody was asking me over under on uh 17 and a half tu- no it was 15 14 and a half touchdowns and I said definitely over and then you know Jamal Williams had uh 17 touchdowns last season in in this role essentially and I actually think David Montgomery is a better player than Jamal Williams too so like he he can actually when when Jameer Gibbs is out like he can he can take on um the you know Gibbs's role as well so like he's just got a ton of uh upside as well as a high floor
1: I think you could make uh I think you could trade uh Derrick Henry for David Montgomery in a lot of leagues I think a lot of people would just want that Derrick Henry uh and I I have Derrick Henry in a league and now I'm thinking when we're done recording I might just go offer him for David Montgomery and see what happens because I would take
0: Montgomery in a heartbeat yep absolutely um The other thing I'll just say about the Lions, I mean, Josh Reynolds needs to get his due, man. Like, he's good. And, like, you know, I was looking at, like, the Fantasy Pros waiver wire for the week, and they have they have uh, in their rankings, they have Josh Reynolds as their number two wide receiver pickup, but they have him behind Quentin Johnston. And, like, why? Why would you have (laughs) Quentin Johnston ahead of Josh Reynolds? I don't think you should because they're both great offenses, but the difference is – Josh Reynolds is locked into being the number 2 receiver in that offense whereas Quentin Johnson is far from it. I mean, he's not the number 2 right now. He needs to overtake Josh Palmer to get there. So, I'd rather have the guy that's already locked into that number 2 role and has already been putting up wide receiver two numbers consistently this season.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good point. Like we've talked about Josh Reynolds a lot. I, I I'm it's tough, man, cuz Quentin Johnson obviously has maybe a little bit more upside cuz he could overtake in in that offense with Justin Herbert. And Detroit, like we just got done talking about David Montgomery, like there's going to be games where they might not need to pass, and Amon Ra St. Brown will be healthy, so it's close for me. Like, if both were available, I'd have a hard time picking between the two uh, personally on, on the waiver wire.
0: Okay, I mean, I you know, Josh Reynolds already has two top 14 or top 13 fantasy finishes this season, um, and yeah, I, I don't know, it's not that close for me, honestly, because. Quentin Johnson also just might not be good. <laughs> That's it's the other possibility, you know. Like he could get the opportunity and and not perform. That's so like. Yep. I'll take I'll take the bird in the hand on this one. And then uh, Sam Laporto needs another shout out. I mean, how high yeah. is he in your tight end rankings at this point? Like, I I think he's basically uh, a top three or four tight end at this point.
1: Uh, yeah, man. I've uh, let's see. I'm looking at my tight end rankings. So obviously, I've got Kelsey like in a tier of his own. I actually moved Mark Andrews down slightly. And then I've got a tier with Hawkinson, Laporta and Kittle and like I mean I could I could move Laporta over Hawkinson. I'd have a hard time moving Laporta over Andrews right now, but in a couple weeks we'll see. Uh he's right there. He's right there at, at like tight end 3 to 5.
0: Yep, exactly. I I actually do have him fifth cuz I have not I have Hawkinson like about 10 spots ahead and then I have Kittle and Laporta back to back and Honestly, I probably should have Laporta ahead of Kittle because I just, I know Kittle's coming off a massive game, but uh, we've talked about him before. It's going to be a little bit feast or famine just in that offense with the number of mouths to feed.
1: But again, like if you, if you can trade a Kyle Pitts or an Evan Ingram, uh, Darren Waller for Laporta, absolutely. You know, I mean, and you might be able to. You just never know what people, what people will do.
0: Well, I've been shopping Laporta in my keeper league because I have Kelsey also. And uh, so far, people have not been willing to really pay up for laporta prior to this last game i wonder if this is the game that will finally make people realize that if they want to have a top five tight end like they got to (laughs) pay yeah an rb2 price to get him. you know that's right yeah all right we'll see i'll keep you posted on that one (laughs) Uh, so the next game is the colts 23 and the titans 16 Uh, lots of interesting nuggets on this one of course First and foremost, Anthony Richardson leaves the game with an AC joint sprain. And this is a more serious, um, more significant AC joint sprain than Derek Carr had. Uh, it's sounding like he's going to miss anywhere from four to six weeks uh, with this injury. And uh, at the same time, Jonathan Taylor comes back, signs this big new contract, comes back, and barely plays. Um, Zach Moss <laughs> goes off again for another <laughs> huge performance 23 carries. For 165 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, So where do you want to start here? I mean, (laughs) quarterbacks or running backs?
1: Well, I think running back is a little more interesting here. Uh, So let's start with the running backs. And I think what's interesting about the running back situation is I bet both of these guys were on a lot of teams benches, you know, this week. I'd love to see the percentage of, you know, starts because I bet Zach Moss went off on people's benches. Jonathan Taylor, probably people were plugging him in if they needed him, did nothing. But in a lot of cases, people were probably just benching both of these guys. I know that would have been what I would do if I had either of these guys. I think I have Zach Moss in our Scott Fishbowl. I benched him. You know, he went off a little bit. It didn't matter for my matchup. But A you little know, bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. You know, but you want to you get as many points as you can in Scott Fishbowl. So leaving points on the bench kind of stinks. So, yeah, I think like next week, we'll probably see a little bit more like a 60 40 split or 50 50. So, you know, I thought Jonathan Taylor would get eased in a little bit. So, Uh, But still, like leading up to it, he signed the contract and all that, and I was I moved him up probably you know more than I should have uh, in the rankings uh, leading up to the uh,
0: week five. Well, I think most people did honestly, and I I kind of disagree that I would guess most people that had Jonathan Taylor started him. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, well, you know there was an assumption I think that he was you know coaches say oh yeah he'll be on somewhat of a snap count or something like that. When they say things like that, you're thinking okay he's gonna play, you know. 60% 60% of the snaps or something this week instead of 80, like he will next week, you know, right. something like that. They never in their wildest imagination would have thought that, you know, Jonathan Taylor was going to play 15% of the snaps and Zach Moss was going to play 80%. So yeah. um, I don't, I don't think most people saw that coming. I would guess there were a lot of disappointed Jonathan Taylor managers who had them in their starting, had him in their starting lineup this week. Um, but beyond that, I think it's, I don't know. This is probably not the consensus viewpoint, but I actually think Zach Moss is a more longstanding problem for Mm. Jonathan Taylor, at least for this season. I, like, I think from a dynasty perspective, like Jonathan Taylor is, it it was a good thing for his fantasy value that he signed a an extension. And now, you know, he's going to be in this situation where he's had a lot of success for the next three seasons. But for the rest of this year, I mean, I don't really understand why they paid him to begin with because Zach Moss has been completely balling out. And, like, I'll, I'll take an L on Zach Moss. Like, he's a player I didn't think was very good prior to this season. But there's, I don't think you can really, like, argue with it at this point. Like, this isn't his first huge game. He's been good four weeks in a row running the football at a very efficient level. And, you know, like, what? why do they need to – rush Jonathan Taylor into a huge role like I think it could be very gradual that he works back in um, and it could be a situation where he never gets to the point where he's playing 70 80 percent of the snaps like it could be he could max out at 60 percent himself in this offense
1: interesting yeah I mean we I'm looking at our rest season rankings I'm at overall 26 you're at 54 on Jonathan Taylor so I definitely moved him up even though he had this stinker of a game you know I just I, I see him ramping up but I could see a situation like what you're talking about, like that could come to fruition, right? Like they sign him to this deal, they don't want to just run him till the wheels fall off, you know? They want to preserve him, <laughs> so I could see that as well. Um, and we'll see. Maybe, maybe after next week, I'll, I'll back off him. This is also a tough matchup, but uh,
0: Zach Moss didn't uh, see that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that was the other crazy <laughs> part about it. Like everyone said, you know, Tennessee is the run stopping defense, and this is almost as improbable as the uh, Falcons' uh, performance. You know, it's just like. You just assume you can run on the Texans. You, you assume you can't run on the Titans, and it was anything but this week. It was like a role reversal with those two teams. But um, I will say that Anthony Richardson being out might actually be a good thing for the running backs uh, and the mm-hmm. receivers, honestly, yep. of the Colts, like because these running these quarterbacks like Richardson, they tend to just hog more of the fantasy points for themselves because. They run the ball themselves, especially at the goal line. I mean, he's like Cam Newton, you know? Like, he can can definitely uh, call his own number inside the five-yard line. Um, So that's going to lead to more goal line rushing opportunities, whether it's Moss or Taylor. Um, You know, Minshew, Gardner Minshew, is also a more kind of typical drop-back passer, so that might mean more pass attempts um, for Michael Pittman, for Josh Towns. So I don't think it's a bad thing for those guys either. Yeah, and as far as, like,
1: You know, you mentioned Richardson. How long he might be out? They've said like it'll probably be like a month or more. I mean, the next five weeks, the matchups are tough for Minshew. Then they have a week eleven bye. I would expect week twelve against Tampa Bay is when we'll see Anthony Richardson again. So, I'm thinking six weeks when they're saying a month maybe more. Right? It's when they have that. Mm -hmm. Look, I always look at that bye week, uh, and and it kind of fits there. And for Minshew and Superflex, I'm not that excited about him. I mean, I agree that like Michael Pittman, this could be better for him. But in general, like, I, I wouldn't, like, be that excited about Minshew as a super flex play. Now, certainly, you know, you could start. It depends on who your options are. But, like, these are going to be some tough matchups coming up against Cleveland, against New Orleans. Um, even Carolina has been tough against the pass without, their, without like, most of their starting corners. So when they, those guys start getting healthy in, like, four weeks, that's going to be a tougher, even tougher matchup. So, uh, yeah, not too, not too excited about Minshew and super flex.
0: Yeah, I guess I can see that. I mean, honestly, I think it's Matt He's he's a matchup dependent player um, for QB twos. Like um, to me, he belongs in the, in a conversation with guys like Ryan Tannehill, Josh Dobbs. Yeah, uh, probably even Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo. To be honest with you, um, like I think when he's got good matchups, I could easily rank him over guys like that. Okay. Yeah, and I don't I don't see a lot of good matchups coming up. <laughs> well, there you go. Then in that case, <laughs> speaking of Ryan Tannehill. Um, he didn't have a, a great fantasy performance because he didn't throw any touchdowns, but he did throw for 264 yards, and 140 of those yards were to my, my boy, DeAndre Hopkins, who I've been yep. telling you all all season was going to have a game like this soon, and he <laughs> did finally have it. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely feel vindicated in my sticking with DeAndre Hopkins through the uh, injury and the sort of reduced role he had um, for a couple weeks there because this game looked – Uh, like a vintage Hopkins performance Um, now granted it was against a really bad Colts defense so he did take advantage of that but I just I just think that um, this Tennessee team is not they're not that great and they're going to be in in more situations like this where they need to throw the ball a fair amount and Hopkins is just he feels like uh, a really good bet for double digit targets um, for for me more often than not.
1: Yep, I finally moved him up a little bit. You're you're right, you know, you, you, you kept you kept on him, and, and he had a good game. Uh, I think the more interesting thing to me is the running backs, and we mentioned, like I mentioned how I would trade Derrick Henry for David Montgomery. Tajay Spears needs to be rostered. We've talked about him like every week, and now I see him like on the front page of a lot of waiver articles out there. It's like, yeah, I mean, this has been like a 50-50 split like all season. This has not just been Derrick Henry 90% and then the backup. Tajay Spears is involved. He scored a touchdown in this game you know, if I do keep Derrick Henry, I'm going to try to get Tajay Spears as the backup just in case of the injury because he has league winning upside and you can play him in a flex like in a pinch. Like we've got a ton of bye weeks coming up. And so t- Tajay Spears could be flex worthy at times and in, in the right matchup.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think just given the fact that and you say it's a 50-50 split. I mean, the reality is that they also run a fair number of formations where they have both backs on the field yeah. at the same time. So Like, these guys are playing more than 100% of the snaps combined, if you look at it. It's like a 60-60 (laughs) split. Exactly, exactly. Uh, And Spears is the guy that's going to be in in all of those passing situations, but he's also got a lot of juice as a runner. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I think he's one of the highest upside uh, backup running backs uh, in in case of an injury to the starter, but he also has gotten to the point where he— can have that standalone value. I mean, he had 11 touches for uh, 69 yards in this game and a touchdown. So that, that'll play. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So moving on to the next game, uh, we've got the uh, dolphins 31, the giants 16. And uh, yeah, I mean, (laughs) Daniel Jones got, got uh, banged up in this game, had to leave with a neck injury. Um, It's, they're apparently optimistic he's going to play uh, in week six. Um, but regardless, I at this point, I feel like Daniel Jones, like I dropped him significantly down my rankings because coming into the season, it was this idea that, you know, he was going to, because of the sneaky rushing uh, upside that he had, that he was going to be a low-end QB1. Um, I just, this team is such a disaster right now. Like, I don't think like you can't pin it all on Daniel Jones but he outside of that one game against Arizona where you know he had this huge uh performance uh what in the second half of that game right yeah. other than other than that i mean it's just been terrible off like this has been an offense that's every bit as bad as a as a new england or a um, carolina or you know pick your your bad offensive choice i mean this this team is right there with them and he he hasn't been uh, better than QB twenty four in any of the other four games this season.
1: Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm looking at where I have him ranked. I've dropped him down quite a bit. You, you were talking about guys like Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. That's kind of where he is in our rest of season rankings. Bryce Young, <laughs> like he's just he's way down in that territory. It's like, yeah, he's the starter, but like it's hard to trust him. It's hard to trust this offense. Like Saquon should be back soon. Maybe maybe this week. But like Saquon got you know he's he's playing on on this year franchise tag and. Not much else. Like, is he going to want to rush back to to play on this <laughs> this team that is maybe not going anywhere? I don't know. And the guy, a guy that I was starting to get excited for, uh, Wandale Robinson, you know, like, maybe better days are coming. But, like, he was getting involved early in this game, and then just nothing really, really happened. You know, they couldn't move the ball. Uh, I'm still, like, kind of speculative on him, but I'm okay dropping a guy like Wandale Robinson, you know, if you need to for other people, especially with, like, bye weeks coming up and things like that. So, Darren Waller again, tight end week. You know, Darren Waller had a solid game, so that was nice to see. But otherwise, not a whole lot to say uh, for the Giants.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, when it comes to Wandel Robinson, like I feel like he's like a poor man's Kadarius Tony at this point. Like Oof. he do- he gets like a lot of targets for the amount of snaps that he plays. Yep. But they're like a lot of low A dot targets, and he has a, a lengthy injury history. And he's just on a much worse offense than Kadarius Tony. So like, yeah, uh, you know, if I had to pick between the two, I think I would just take Tony, <laughs> you oh, know, man. but I don't want either of them really. <laughs> I mean, oh, the only place like Wanda Robinson to me is a desirable player is in a full point PPR because he could catch five or six passes a week, um, but they might be like this game where it was five catches for 18 yards. You know, like I don't think he's going to, put up a lot of yardage I don't think he's going to score a lot of touchdowns it's really just you're paying for those PPR uh, catches
1: yeah well you started talking about this game you sounded so sad and morose but we really should talk about the Dolphins side if we want to like (laughs) cheer up a little bit
0: you know yeah except that it's uh, you know it's kind of more of the same for the most part with the dolphins isn't it i mean the one question of course is the status of devon acheam mm-hmm. not you know so so maybe we can continue to be morose <laughs> because <laughs> he's dealing with a knee injury and we have no idea how significant it is as we're talking here tonight um you know i had heard that it was um you know he Mike McDaniel was asked if it, it could be, you know, can you assure us it's not season-ending? And he said, I, you know, I can't say anything about it right now. And that makes people freak out um, that it could be season-ending. Right. I, I, I wouldn't expect that to be the case, but we really just don't know anything at all right now about the severity of that knee injury. Um, the Dolphins did also activate the practice window uh, for Jeff Wilson coming off IR, so like that could feed some conspiracy theories about Achan, but. Let's hope HN's all right because, I mean, this guy is unbelievable. This game, once again, 11 carries, 151 yards and a touchdown. Like, he and Mostert are just – they're both so fast and they can just take the ball around the corner and beat the beat the uh, secondary – you know, beat the safeties to the sideline and brush right past them and take it to the house any given play.
1: Yeah, that speed is something to behold. It really is. And I'm going to give a shout-out to – uh These guys pass the prop. Uh, I I, I try to watch their show every now and then. Uh, Monotone Football is a good follow on Twitter. Uh, They had a guy on there. His name was Griffey Betts. I I, I gave him a follow now too, but I was watching their show on some props, and the the Griffey guy was talking about, you might as well bet on A-chan 100 rushing yards and a touchdown because it's happened twice in a row, and sure enough, it happened again. And on DraftKings, it was 13-1, to and I just used like a $5 free bet on it. Um, but other, other sites, it was like six to one. So sometimes you find these like good spots where the odds are just so much better. And man, it happened, I think in the first quarter, it was like right away, you know, HN broke off that huge run. So that was, that was nice. And I hope he's healthy. Cause yeah, like I'll, I'll keep betting on him too.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, it, again, it's, it is more of the same with this team. I mean, like we know HN and most are, are both, gonna get their work and neither of them's gonna get 20 touches probably right but they don't need 20 touches like you give these guys 10 touches and they can do quite a bit of uh, fantasy damage with it um, the one guy I will say is moving down my rankings with the Dolphins is Jalen Waddell um, he did find the end zone in this game and got 10 targets so like you could paint a, a happy case for Jalen Waddle if you want to but yeah um, I also just look at the fact that he has not that five catches he had in this game was a season high. I mean, he has had four or five catches every single week. Um, it's just, you know, this was the first game he had more than six targets in honestly. So he just seems to be, I mean, with how effectively this team is running the ball and how good Tyreek Hill is. Um, I just feel like there's not quite as much to go around for Jalen Waddell as might've been expected coming into the season. And I still think he's got a ton of upside. Um, like he'll have some some really big splash weeks but uh you know it's always a tricky proposition figuring out which teams are going to be able to support two really high-end fantasy receivers and uh last year that you know this team did that um this year it looks like maybe it won't be quite that case i mean waddle to me is still a wide receiver too but like he was like a very high end wide receiver too in most people's views coming into the season and i think now he's more of a low- end wide receiver too
1: Okay, well we're going to disagree on this one a little bit too. I I still have him at 30th overall. You have him at 48. So, yeah, I just I see those things like the targets and the catches this week as good things, you know. He had the highest snap share snap share among any other wide receivers. Uh, you know, of course this was another a game where they didn't necessarily need him and he he did score. Like all those are positives for me. So like I, I wasn't about to move him down cuz yeah, he is explosive. If you look at like, you know, like what he did last last year and, you know, year before like yeah, he's he does have these games where he'll go 3 for 40 or whatever, but then he'll have games where he goes 5 for 140. You know, he'll break off these huge plays as well. He's like an hand who can just get out there, get the ball in space and go. Um so yeah, I, I I'm just not moving him down too much. Similar to like how I'm not a different type of player, but I didn't move Devonte Smith down too much either even though he's have had a couple stinkers as well like I'm just I'm not like not too excited about like moving those guys too far down the rankings.
0: I don't want to move him too far down either. I mean, I still have him in some of my top fifty, but like, I don't know, man. Like, Puka Nakua or Jalen Waddle?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I probably have Puka. I gotta let me let me sort by by my <laughs> rankings on the site. and Let me see who I have. Uh well, I've got Waddle two spots higher. I've got okay, Waddle. I would De- definitely take Puka. I've got Waddle, Devonte Smith, and then Puka Nakua. <laughs> okay, I take Puka. How about Marquise Brown? That's that's a good one. Um, Now I've got Marquise Brown a little bit further down as well. See, I'm I'm taking
0: Marquise Brown. Mm. Um, Then after that, it gets a little dicier. I mean, I have guys right now, provisionally, guys like Debo Samuel, Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Zay Flowers, T. Higgins. Like, I have all these guys in the same tier as Waddle, and I, I put them all slightly ahead of him right now. But, like... I, I could see I could see putting him ahead of that group of guys, but I feel pretty good about Nakua and, and Marquise Brown ahead of him at this point.
1: Well, I like those guys a lot too, but I, I'm I'm looking at some other names. You've got you've got uh, Mike Evans and Amari Cooper above Waddle as well. I, I couldn't do that either. So like we're going to differ on who we like and don't like, and these these things are going to evolve. We're going to update these things every week, so we'll see.
0: Okay, I mean those guys have just been producing much more than he has so far, but it is only five weeks into the season, so we'll see. Yep. Um. Any other thoughts on this game? I don't think so. Tyreek Hill like number two. I will just say Matt or... Breda does not need to be rostered anymore. Uh, you know, I saw you traded for him in, in our <laughs> dynasty league at a very cheap cost, but like Eric Gray uh, suddenly yeah. got thrust into some work in this game. And I know it was a blowout in the second half. So maybe that was, that was a, a big reason why, but I, I just, I mean, Matt Breda is, is just not good <laughs> and it's not a good offense. And, so it's one of those situations where even if Barkley were to miss more time, I, I wouldn't feel super confident anymore about about Breda in.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that in, in redraft. I will just say that in that dynasty league, it's sad, but he actually got more fantasy points than guys like Tank Bigsby and <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Helaire and <laughs> a bunch of guys who are on my bench in that league. I'm
0: I am hurting at the running back position. <laughs> hey, bye weeks put us all through the ringer at times. Yep. All right, next game: Saints thirty-four, Patriots. Zero. Zilch. Uh, yeah. It is dark times in New England. Um this is uh this is about as bad as it's ever been for Bill Belichick. I'm not sure it's it's even close really. Uh you know, getting destroyed by the Cowboys last week and then the Saints this week. Uh Mac Jones has thrown three touchdowns to the other team in the last two games and none to his own team. Yikes. Uh yeah, that's pretty bad. And he's been benched. Um I mean, Bill Belichick won't call it a benching, but uh he's been pulled <laughs> in two games in a row for Bailey Zappi. And uh I don't know. I mean, does it matter who the Patriots started at quarterback at this point?
1: Well, it doesn't matter for the receivers. Like, I don't want any of their receivers. So, in that, in that regards, no. I guess in like a super flex, it would be nice if, if we knew Bailey Zappi was going to be the starter. Like, he did look okay when given the chance last, last year. I think he, he might spark, you know, some life into this group for like a week or two. But long term, no. Like, I, it doesn't mean anything. The only thing it means for me is this is another offense that I don't want really much part of. And Ramondre Stevenson, like, we've we've already mentioned him, you know, like, in moving down our rankings with guys like Miles Sanders. I think we were talking about him earlier. Like, he's just falling to the point where it's like, do you really want a piece of this offense? Because Ramondre just isn't doing anything because this offense as a whole isn't doing anything.
0: Yeah. And I this is a frustrating one where, like, in the, I have him in a keeper league, and I kind of knew he was going to have a tougher season this year, especially after they brought in Zeke. Um, but I just couldn't find the right trade partner, so – um, I felt like I kind of had to keep him you know even though I didn't want to yeah so that's that's a little rough I you know if I'm gonna tell a good story about Ramondre Stevenson I will point out that the Patriots had a really brutal schedule up to this point I mean they've faced Philly Miami the Jets the Cowboys and the Saints I mean those are none of those are plus matchups really uh, and now they get the Raiders the bills the The Dolphins, uh, the Commanders, and the Colts before their bye. Uh, Those are all much better matchups. I mean, Miami is involved in both, of course, but the other matchups I think are all better. After the bye, they get the Giants, they get the Chargers. Yeah. Um, You know, Denver is in there. They get, uh, you know, Pittsburgh and Casey are fine. Like, basically, he doesn't, he gets a lot easier matchups going forward. So maybe that will be something that helps, but the broader point is still there. I mean, how much upside is there? uh, In this situation, and you know how explosive is Ramondre Stevenson to begin with. I mean, I think part of his value was was volume driven, and uh, Zeke is a little bit of a of a downer in that regard. Um, So, uh, I think Ramondre might still be able to get there as like a low end RB two, but it's hard to expect anything more than that.
1: Yeah, and all those good matchups coming up to me sound like good selling points when you're negotiating a trade. Because like, I'm looking at our rest season rankings. Like, if you can get a Jerome Ford. Damian Pierce, we have guys like that ahead of Ramondre, and those are probably players you could get potentially. Um, even, I mean, I would even see John like Jonathan Taylor because his value, like even between you and I, is very wildly different right now. You know, we're pretty far off. So, like, obviously, people don't really know what to think after this game. So, maybe you could even talk to the Jonathan Taylor owner. Would you rather have Jonathan Taylor over Ramondre rest of the season? I think you have him a little bit higher. <laughs> yeah, I would. So, I would. yeah, so like
0: that might be one you could try to negotiate even. Yeah, or Aaron Jones, who just hasn't played really so far this season. Yeah, and has a bye week coming up. If you if you can get with him over the week six bye, sure. Yep, yep. Uh, So then we don't. Let's not talk about any of the pass catchers for the Patriots. I will just say, even Hunter Henry let us down in this game. (laughs) Yeah, no catches. So like, yeah. Even even the one guy we thought maybe could be (laughs) serviceable. Uh, no, I just just don't start anyone that catches passes for the Patriots. Um, on the uh, Saints side, where do you want to go with this discussion?
1: I think Alvin Kamara is probably the most interesting. You know, he had the three-game suspension to start the year off, and then he's been really good in a couple games we've seen him in. Uh, he didn't have his 13 catches or whatever he had uh, this week. He still had three, and he carried the ball 22 yards or 22 times for 80 yards and a touchdown. So Kamara has been moving up my board. I mean. It's one of those things like he moved up as soon as it got closer to him coming off suspension, but now that he's back and he's producing, I'm moving him up even more. Uh, it was nice to see Kendry Miller a little bit more involved here, so I'm moving him up a little bit too. I dropped him in a league, and I might be trying to pick him back up because I do like Kendry Miller. Uh, I was really disappointed two weeks ago that he like didn't get worked in at all after he got the chance and looked good, I think, against Green Bay. So, yeah, Kendry Miller moving up slightly too, but obviously much lower, much deeper, but Kendry is someone I, I like to add as well.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm intrigued by Kendra Miller. Like he, he looked pretty good in this game. Now a lot of the work he got was in garbage time, but like I I just think like he's got some explosiveness and he can make plays as a receiver out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Caught four for fifty three in this game. So um yeah, I mean he's kind of, you know, like for like the the player that would be sort of similar to Camara in in the the type of player he is. I'm not saying he's on Camara's level as a talent, but um, it's just interesting because they did waive Tony Jones, um, which is good for Miller. But then, uh, the question is when is Jamal Williams coming back? And, you know, they probably envisioned a significant role for Jamal Williams when they brought him in. So yep. uh, we'll have to see, we'll have to watch the snap counts. Uh, once Williams is back, does, does Miller still eke out a role or is he, um, you know, just sort of dependent on, um, a, a, an injury above him on the depth chart.
1: And, and, you know, in real life, real quick, the Saints, you know, to win a game like this, 34 nothing. I know the, the Patriots have looked bad. But the Saints are, you know, 3-2. and two. They have a very easy schedule. This is a team like them them or the Falcons. One of these teams is going to win the NFC South and have a home game. And maybe, I mean, I guess the Bucs could win. Too. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think it's going to be one of these teams and could look like make some noise in the playoffs. We'll see. I think, I think the Saints have a good defense. Obviously, they blanked this team, but they've looked good other times as well. So just in real life, like, I think Saints fans should be excited by by a game like this, even though it was just a blowout against a team that was struggling.
0: Yeah, I mean it's in New England too. I mean, yeah, it's just crazy. It is. All right. Um, next game: Steelers seventeen, Ravens ten. <laughs> oh man, what a what a long day at the office for Lamar Jackson. Uh, I, you know, I will <laughs> point out. <laughs> He was actually the number one graded quarterback in the league this week, according to PFF. So like, what? yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, did you see how many drops there were in that game by Ravens receivers? I mean, yeah. And a lot of those would have been touchdowns. Like easily he could have thrown three or four touchdowns in this game. If his receivers didn't drop those balls. So like, I kind of get it. I mean, Lamar himself, uh, messed up at the end of the game. Um, you know, and lost, you know, turned the ball over. Um, But like he didn't get, you know, it never should have had to come to that if his receivers just made plays. Um, Yeah. You know, I still love Zay Flowers and he did make his fair share of plays in this game, but he also was among the players that, you know, he tripped over his own feet and and stumbled and couldn't come down with what would have been a uh, long gain, if not a touchdown, Um, but more egregious drops by Bateman and, Uh, I believe Beckham and uh, Aguilar. I mean, it was just, it was, it was ugly. Yeah. That one for
1: Bateman was just like, just, (laughs) that was the, that was the one in the first half that was just like right to him. But yeah, you're right. I I wasn't thinking about that with all the drops as, as to how Lamar still could have been like the PFF it's rated, but it makes sense when you put it in that light. Um, I, I, I'll just say like Justice Hill, I have moved him up. I've been gone. I've been going kind of back and forth with this running back room, but he does look like he scored early, And then didn't do a whole lot, you know, other than that, he did catch some balls. Um, Melvin Gordon, you know, not involved. Gus Edwards just doesn't, he's not a dynamic back. He can't really catch the passes like Justice Hill can. Um, So I have moved Justice Hill up into my top 100. And I will just say Keaton Mitchell has not been activated yet and could throw a wrinkle into this if he gets some play too. So just someone who you can still stash on your IR, at least for right now, as we're recording this, you can, you should have an IR stash or two if you, if you have those positions.
0: Yeah, I mean, I still think Keaton Mitchell is a, a complete shot in the dark. Really, I also will point out that Mar- Melvin Gordon isn't actually even on the fifty-two man roster. So like, yeah, fifty-three man roster. So like, he he was not active for this game. Um, Kenyon Drake was instead, but he didn't he didn't see a, a touch. Um, the, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you're with me on Justice Hill. I've been on, yeah. I've been on I've been right you know leading this bandwagon for a while now. I think he's clearly the guy that um, has the most. He, he has the most potential um, among the running back group. I mean, Gus Edwards is good for what he is, but he's really best suited for non PPR because he's just yeah. not going to catch any passes. Um, also, like you would think, nor it, like most teams that would have a, a committee backfield like this, you would think the Gus Edwards guy would be the goal line back, but that's not true in this situation. Justice Hill is actually uh, more often used in the goal line than Gus Edwards and he's more used in the passing game. So those are like the money touches, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's pretty clear to me that Justice Hill is a preferable option in most formats to Gus Edwards at this point.
1: Um yeah, do we want to talk about Najee moving down our rankings again? I mean, he, <laughs> he is on the other side of the ball here. He had a more Najee type game, you know, 14 carries for 37 yards, 2.6 <laughs> yards per carry. That's like more more Najee like than ever i mean he actually had, had some decent efficiency type games uh more recently but
0: yeah this one i this think it was just one wasn't it like because like, they played houston
1: yeah and even against san francisco well i mean it was yeah he's had a couple of games where it's been over five uh, yards per rush but it, you know 2.6 whoo it's it's just i've moved i had jalen warren above Najee last week and the gap is just widening uh, jalen warren just continues to look better he had that he hurtled that dude you know like Jalen Warren just looks way better every time he touches the ball so uh, I don't know like they have a bye week I could see that oftentimes teams after the bye week you know will shift some things around I could easily like everyone can see this coming right that Jalen Warren is gonna like now be the guy who gets like 60 percent 65 percent and I think it could happen
0: yeah it could happen I they're they're very different running backs though and um I just, I don't know. I feel like Mike Tomlin kind of defers to veteran players and, uh, you know, not that Harris is like, you know, 30 <laughs> years old or something, but he's 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 been in the league a few years. And I I just sort of feel like, I don't know, um, it's going to remain a committee. But Warren, it does seem like there was a moment in this game where they kind of were like, we have to win this game against our division rival and who do we want on getting the touches? Yeah. We want Jalen Warren getting the touches. So, I think that did sort of speak volumes to to what they, you know, that, that that they do at least recognize what everyone else is seeing. I just, you know, I'm not sure Warren is really built to be a, a bell cow back anyway. So um, I think this is one of those situations where maybe like the ideal situation um, for a Warren manager is that he becomes like the Aaron Jones and Najee is the A.J. Dillon, you know, because yeah. I think that's kind of like a best case scenario that's for true. Jalen Warren.
1: One thing I'll, like I said, they have a week six bye. one thing I'm going to be looking at uh, with the Steelers coming out of the bye uh, is Deontay Johnson healthy enough to come off of the, uh, the IR. And then also this Jalen Warren, man, I've been betting on him over two and a half receptions for the last three weeks straight. And if they keep, if they keep putting that line at two and a half, even if it's juicy, I'm going to bet it because his receptions, you know, have been there uh, every week, three, six, three, four, five. So in, until they move it up to three and a half or four and a half, if it's at two and a half, I'm going to keep betting the over.
0: Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I, We'll also say George Pickens had a huge game here. We should at least mention that. Um, I thought about placing a bet, actually, on him going over 100 yards with a touchdown (laughs) in this game. I would have been very nice odds, and I didn't take it. So I'm kind of kicking myself for that. Uh, I just had a hunch that that was going to happen. But it will be interesting to see um, what what his role is once Deontay Johnson does come back. Uh, Because previously, when Deontay Johnson was on the field, Pickens played a very... Sort of limited, kind of run, you know, run down the sideline, get some mm-hmm. jump ball kind of routes. He he wasn't um, a feature guy the way he's been uh, these last couple weeks. So, i that that will be interesting to see uh, how how their target shares work out uh, once Johnson is back in the fold. Yep, agreed. All right, we've got the Eagles twenty three and the Rams fourteen. Um. You know, I feel like the Rams are like the most <laughs> interesting, exciting team for fantasy this season. Like, yeah, just because they've created these two really great fantasy options out of nowhere in Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams, and now they get Cooper Cup back, and he <laughs> just immediately <laughs> looks like vintage Cooper Cup. The the connection with Matthew Stafford just picks up. Like, they they you know had no time off whatsoever on the first drive. It's just catch after catch after catch for cup and um, you know he didn't do as much in the second half of this game but still eight catches for 118 yards on 12 targets in his first game back and Nakua still gets it done with seven catches for 71 and a touchdown on 11 targets so I think this was a situation where um, you and I pretty much were in line with the rest of the fantasy community on this one I think it was you know this idea that both of these guys can coexist and be wide receiver ones or high-end wide receiver twos at worst uh, in Nakua's case. And I think this game just sort of shows exactly why that's the case.
1: Yeah. I mean, everything kind of lined up like we thought it would be. Like Tutu Atwell was still involved. Uh, Van Jefferson just got kicked to the curb. Uh, I hate to say it, but, like, (laughs) you know, he only played two snaps. And so that's exactly what should have happened is what McVay did. So everything, like, made sense here. And like you said, Cooper Cup had that awesome opening drive. About half of his production in the game came on that. But yeah, um, I don't have much else to say about those guys. Like Cooper Cup is like top ten overall player. Instantly, you have him at three overall. So I'm not going to (laughs) argue with you there.
0: Yep, exactly. As long as he can stay healthy, I just think he's going to be a complete monster like he's been in the past. Um, I do think it is worth just sort of discussing the the sort of down the chain impacts beyond. I mean, yes, Van Jefferson is irrelevant now, but like I also think this does have a bit of an impact on guys like uh, Tyler Higbee and Tutu Atwell and even Kyron Williams. I mean, Tutu did get in the end zone in this game, but he only had two catches for nine yards. Um, So uh, he's going to be really hard to trust. I think, Um, uh, you know, he'll have, he'll, he'll probably still have some big games from time to time, but going to be hard to trust. Tyler Higbee. I isn't a top 12 tight end for me anymore with cutback And, uh, and, and Kyron Williams I still really like... I mean, the usage is amazing in terms of snap counts, but he hasn't been an efficient runner, period. Um, and, you know, a big part of what he's done is, is first of all, touchdowns, and second of all, uh, passing game role. So I'm a little concerned that he might not get much of a passing game role anymore with Cup back. And, uh, you know, also Cup is a, a huge red zone weapon, too. So it could dip into his touchdown total a little bit as well. I still think Kyron is, is an RB, two, but, like... He was playing like an RB one, uh, and I don't think he's going to get there with Cup.
1: Yep, I would agree with you. And then on the Eagles side, I mean, we know what the Eagles are. We know who produces. Jalen Hurts is awesome. Uh, DeAndre Swift keeps moving up my my board uh, as well slightly. He just keeps ticking up. The more they the more they play him, you know. He he's just he looks like the best running back out there. He is Rashad Penny he just continues to be inactive, so it's him. And then sprinkled in some Kenny Gainwell. And we mentioned the tight end week. Dallas Goddard had a huge week. As well, he kind of got the squeaky wheel treatment. A.J. Brown got the squeaky wheel treatment the week before. I don't know. Maybe Devonte Smith will, you know, complain a little bit in the media uh, this week. Maybe he'll get the he'll get some <laughs> he'll get the squeaky wheel treatment this week. But these guys can all produce at times. We knew it was only a matter of time for Goddard to get more involved. Sirianni said he would, and he did. Um, and yeah, A.J. Brown continues to be awesome. I, like what I said earlier about Devonte Smith. You know, he had five targets, only caught one of them for six yards. So that stinks. But I'm just I'm not moving a guy like him down too Much just like a Jalen Waddle for me,
0: yeah. I don't know. I the way I look at it is like AJ Brown is clearly the alpha in this passing game, like it's not even close at this point. Like, I, I, he's I think he's got the most like first read targets of any receiver in the league. Uh, um, and uh, so like to me, he's gonna eat almost every week at this point, and then it's just a question of. Is it gonna be Devonta Smith or Dallas Goddard that eats? Because it's it's gonna be rare that they both do, I think. Um and that's like for Dallas Goddard, you can I honestly you can live with that because he's a tight end, you know what I mean? Like yeah, if if, if he's gonna blow up like this once out of every three games as a tight end, like you would take that for sure. <laughs> yeah um you know, but Devonta Smith, it's a little trickier because you know he is a wide receiver that you have a lot of options, obviously at that position. I, I'm not saying you should bench him or anything like that, but like, um, you know, outside of week two where he had that huge game, um, he, you know, he hasn't done a ton. I mean, he did have a decent game against the commanders in week four, seven catches, 78 yards in that one. But, um, he's had three other games where he didn't get over 50 yards. So I just think it's similar to waddle. It's, there's going to be some big splash games, but, um, to me they're they're definitely like mid to low end wide receiver twos more than high end wide receiver twos. Okay. Anything else for the Eagles side? Uh no, I think I think that about covers it. All right. Uh so moving on, we've got the Bengals 34 and the Cardinals 20. So this was, you know, I guess I was one week early on my expectation that the Bengals would get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't do it last week. Um but they certainly did this week against the Cardinals. Um Joe Burrow, uh, 317 passing yards, three touchdowns in this game. Uh, even without uh, T. Higgins, who was out with a fractured rib, uh, Jamar Chase just went nuclear. 15 catches, 192 yards, and all three of those scores. Uh, you know, Trenton Irwin was interesting. He kind of was yeah. the biggest beneficiary of of um of Higgins being out more than Tyler Boyd was. Uh, so Irwin got ten targets in this game eight catches for 60 so that's just something that maybe maybe it's a situation where Boyd kind of sticks in his role uh even with Higgins out
1: yeah and it's a good point and like when you look at uh I remembered the name Trenton Irwin from last year as well I mean he had a he had a couple games down the stretch uh where he kind of fit in this role uh had a had a two touchdown game in New England and uh around on Christmas Eve it looks like uh had a, had some touchdowns as well so like he's a name to know like you said uh maybe maybe even over Tyler Boyd I was a little disappointed that Joe Mixon, you know, with there being the three offensive touchdowns that they all went to Chase, you know, cuz the volume was there and better days are ahead. Like he he was close to having a touchdown. Uh, I think you need to be patient with Mixon because when you talk about Bell Cows, like he is, you know, there's there's some guys behind him but they're just not really getting I mean, they're all kind of getting mixed in here and there, getting a snap here and there, but it's it's all Mixon in the running back uh, position. So like I would I would trade for a guy like Mixon to see if like their manager is a little bit frustrated. Like I'd rather have Joe Mixon than Derrick Henry probably. Um, Because like I trust the offense to get better. Um, The offensive line is better than Tennessee's. uh, And he's got the, he's got it all to himself pretty much right now. Whereas Derrick Henry doesn't anymore.
0: Yeah, that's, that's close. I've got Henry above Mixon still. I just, the problem with Mixon in my opinion is like, he's just not looked particularly good. Like he's, he, this isn't the first game where he's, run for a low yards per carry and i know that's not the be-all end-all but um i just i don't know i don't i don't know if he quite has the same amount of juice that he used to have um so like it's it's the volume that's really like you know propelling him uh forward at this point i think uh much like josh jacobs it's 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 a very similar kind of setup i mean yes it's a better offense so uh, I guess that, that would be a, an argument in Mixon's uh, favor because they don't, like you said, they don't really have any other running backs that are featuring in, into the uh, committee mix.
1: Right. So on the other side of the ball, James Conner uh, dealing with a little bit of injury here. So we were talking about Imari Mercado, uh and we were talking about the pronunciation and spelling of his name before we <laughs> started recording. Uh, so a name to know. You mentioned Tony Jones. I saw the Cardinals also picked him up. You know, he was on the practice squad, I guess, and then you said that the Saints cut him. uh Well, the Cardinals picked him up. That that maybe tells me that Keontae Ingram
0: still isn't healthy enough to be active. So, um, no, the question is James Connor because well, yeah. he left this game with a knee injury. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't, th- you know, it, this is the tough thing about recording on Mondays. Like, we don't have a lot of information yet about a lot of these injuries, and this is one of them. Like, I don't. I don't really have any sense of whether James Conner is going to miss any time or if he's going to miss a significant amount of time. It could be it could be anywhere on the spectrum, but um, if he does miss time, it certainly looks like De Mercado would would be the lead back. I mean, he he had seemed to be overtaking Keontae Ingram for the number two job uh, even before Ingram got hurt, and then once Ingram got hurt, it was very clearly De Mercado's job and I don't think Tony Jones is coming for it. <laughs> so, um, you know, if Connor was to miss time, uh, I I think De Mercado could be a uh, serviceable RB2 in like a plus matchup or an RB3 in a tougher one.
1: Yeah, I would agree and like what I was saying is, yeah, with Connor, this tells me that Connor probably is injured. De Mercado is a is a nice waiver pickup and then like Keontae Ingram also might not be back. So, we could be looking at De Mercado and Tony Jones uh in week six you know which is rough but like if you're if you're hurting at running back De Mercado makes for a nice pickup this week if if Connor looks like he's going to miss some time and maybe people will know that by Tuesday night
0: yeah and honestly I think De Mercado should be rostered anyway because Connor even if this injury is minor he has a lengthy injury history and the Cardinals have a, a tendency towards featuring one back so uh you know <laughs> mm-hmm. de mercado could get a pretty sizable workload um if if given the opportunity um because of connor's health status uh so like i was already targeting i picked up de mercado last week in our dynasty league um now granted that's a lot deeper league but um you know i think in leagues where like rb2s are are rostered uh as handcuffs like he's not a top tier one because it's not a hundred percent clear that what his role would look like if Connor was out, but like, he's definitely like a mid tier one.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then uh wanted to mention Marquise Brown again. We talked about him earlier when we were talking about some other receivers. I see you have him about 20 spots higher than I do in rest of season rankings. And I can't really argue much, uh, you know, it's like we're splitting hairs with some of these, you know, we were talking about, I think with Jalen Waddle, right. I do like Waddle uh, better, but then, um, you know, you have Marquise Brown slightly ahead of guys like Debo Samuel, Tyler Lockett, um, Christian Kirk uh, banged up T Higgins, who's likely to miss a couple more weeks with an injury, or you know, dealing with the an injury and then the bye week. So, um, yeah, I can see it with all those guys. Um, Debo, you know, guys like Debo, it's hard for me to to get on board, but still, it's like Marquise Brown's been the number one receiver for the Cardinals. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, it's just a very different situation, you know. Like Debo is on a team where they have two other huge weapons in the passing game. They've got. The best running back in football who can also catch passes and they have the best defense in the NFL (laughs) you know so like I just don't think they need Debo as much nearly as much as the Cardinals need Marquise Brown and that's why he's gotten to 10 targets in three of the last four weeks he's been a top 20 fantasy receiver three weeks in a row Uh, you know the Cardinals don't have a very good defense they don't have a lot of weapons outside of Marquise Brown and Josh Dobbs has been Perfectly serviceable as a NFL quarterback. So it's been a really nice recipe for Marquise Brown. I don't think Kyler Murray coming back would hurt Marquise Brown. So, yeah, um, yeah, I, I really feel like he's just locked in as like a, a mid-range wide receiver too each and every week.
1: Okay. I don't have any other Cardinals I care to talk about like Josh Dobbs and, you Jeff know.
0: Swaim. Jeff Swaim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. <laughs> Uh, so the Jets 31 and the Broncos 21. And as as the writing seemed to be on the wall for this one, it was going to be the Brees Hall breakout game yeah, against that terrible, terrible Broncos defense. And Robert Sala said um, Brees Hall was no longer on a snap count. Uh, we did, of course, also see that supposedly Dalvin Cook was looking faster in practice, according to their little, I don't know. What do they put like a GPS on him or something when he's practicing, (laughs) but whatever it was, you know, I wasn't putting a lot of stake in that. I mean, it was such a good matchup. You were kind of like, if anyone gets a lot of touches here, they're probably going to do well. But I mean, the gap in talent or not in talent, but in how good they are at this stage of their career between Brees Hall and Dalvin cook looks uh, pretty massive. Um, So yeah, Brees Hall, it, it was as big an explosion as you would have hoped for 22 carries 177 yards and a touchdown also caught three balls for 17 yards so just a monster game against you know the worst defense in the league yeah and we both moved Breesall
1: up quite a bit rest of season rankings like we we have him like at least combined right behind david montgomery so we were talking you know so highly of david montgomery earlier well we have Brice Hall right behind him so like a top 20 overall player you know in that rb1 conversation uh he's just You know it's interesting before this before the game started in week five, I sprinkled on David Montgomery and Brees Hall to lead the league in rushing yards. So I was glad I did that before the week because they both had really good games, and I got David Montgomery at twenty-five to one and Brees Hall at fifty to one. And those are those are both now at like you know ten to one and fifteen to one or something. So now tons of football to be played left, but I was glad I you know put a couple bucks on those just because you know it's nice to have season long bets too.
0: Yeah, that's nice. I should look at more of those. Um. You know, and I also think just, like, Zach Wilson, like, it's not like he had a great game, but, like, I feel like just him settling in as, like, a serviceable quarterback is, like, a big boost to Brees Hall because it's just going to make, if if they can just have, like, a semi-functional offense, like, Brees Hall is such an explosive talent. If he's not on a snap count, like, you know, he's going to have some really big games. Yep, for
1: sure. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know. Broncos side, we were talking about Jaleel McLaughlin. You know, Javante Williams was out in this game. The thing about this team, they're at one, they're one in four now. Look like they're going nowhere. I feel like they could start selling players off. You know, even like there was even speculation before the season started that like Judy or Sutton might be traded. So I feel like we could certainly see something like that in the coming weeks. And I feel like they have no reason not to see what Jaleel McLaughlin can do. He looks explosive you know, we were talking about guys like Achan, these, these speedy uh, small guys, and he's he's up there too. He, he just keeps scoring, you know, when given the opportunity. And so even with with Javante back, I feel like they're going to continue to use him. So I've moved Javante down. I was a lot more rosy on Javante coming into the season, even with coming off the injury, but I've soured on him a bit now that he's dealing with the hip injury and Jaleel's getting involved. Samaj Pirine is like in the hurry up offense, you know, getting all the catches and stuff. So this is just sort of a turning into a three-headed backfield that I, it's not that I don't want a part of it, but I'm just, they're all just kind of depressed a little bit in value.
0: Yeah. I don't really want a part of it. Um, I mean, yes, Jaleel McLaughlin is exciting. He's an exciting talent. Like who can break a, a long run at any time, but like, you know, he played 33% of the snaps in this game and that was a season high. So yep. like, you know, Samaje Pirine was the lead back and you know, he made a big impact as a receiver in this game, four catches, 73 yards. Um, I, I don't get the sense Javante Williams is going to be out for that long. And I, you know, if, if it's going to continue to be that three man committee and you're right, that's exactly what it was in week three, the last game that all three of these guys were healthy and playing mm-hmm. uh, it was a, a bonafide three way committee. Um, so if that's going to be the case, like I'm going to have a really hard time, starting any of these guys especially on a you know at best average maybe below average offense that's going to be in a lot of negative game script you might be able to sell low on Javante or sell mid if someone
1: like still believes in him a little bit you know when if he's if he's looking healthy if he's coming back and someone has bye week issues and it's like hey I've got Javante he's coming back because I, I don't I have a hard time seeing a path like after we're as we're talking about all this I have a hard time seeing him even as like an RB2 rest of
0: the season yeah, I'd be curious if his trade value, I would guess it's lower than McLaughlin's at this point, though.
1: Maybe. But, you know, like people have their preconceived notions coming in and the name recognition. And people remember him being drafted highly. And, you know, there are people out there who had him before the ACL tear and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, all those things people have in the back of their minds. So you, you just never know until you ask. So this these are the type of trade things that you need to at least put some feelers out there, you know.
0: Yeah, I would personally not be opposed to selling high on McLaughlin though either. because yeah. I mean, this is a guy that's five foot seven, one eighty seven. Like, he hasn't played more than thirty three percent of the snaps. Like, he's he's kind of a glorified gadget player. I mean, you're you're basically hoping like he can be a magician like Devon Achan is in order to 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 get it done. And this is not the Dolphins' offense, you know. No. He's not Achan either. So like. I just think it's, uh, I think it's a tall order for him to uh, be a consistent uh, RB three flex, let alone an RB two. Yep.
1: All right, sell your sell your Bronco running backs if you can. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> it does look like Judy has has passed Sutton again on the depth chart, though, for what that's worth. Yeah. All right. Uh, Chiefs twenty seven, Vikings twenty. This was a game with a couple scary uh, looking injuries. Um, non-contact injuries one on each side to star players Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs and Justin Jefferson of the Vikings uh Kelsey's uh was it, it looked really scary when it happened yeah um but then he comes back in the game and catches the touchdown ends up with 10 catches in the game um you know it was initially reported as a high ankle sprain now it's being reported as a low ankle sprain uh, he didn't practice today on Monday. Um, they play on Thursday night, so like I feel like there's a chance he misses a game here. Mm-hmm. Um, but this doesn't look like a multi-week absence, uh, which is a sigh of relief for people like me that are, have Travis Kelsey in almost every one of their leagues.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hope you have Noah Gray, and if you don't, if he's out there, like I agree with you, like this could be something that the swelling, you know, comes up and like it's a quick turnaround, like you said. So Noah Gray could be could be viable. Uh, he he has been before, and like with Justin Jefferson with hamstrings, you know, he'll. We don't. Again, we don't know a whole lot right now. I think they're still doing some more tests and whatnot. But like, you know, I feel like I've seen enough receivers who are explosive like him. You know, they kind of rely on their hamstrings (laughs) a bit. You know, so it could be a week or two. It could be three or four. Like, it could be a situation where they like a Saquon thing where it's like they don't put him on the short term IR, but he still ends up missing three or four weeks. So I I moved him down to like I think twenty one or something overall. You moved him down like five or six spots it's one of those things like i'll move him back up if things look promising but for now i've moved him down to the point where like if i was in a pinch and i'm like oh and five or one and four and i have justin jefferson and the news comes out that he's going to miss two or three weeks i would start looking at okay could i trade him and get Devonte adams or, or maybe shoot higher and try to get tyree kill uh, you know but i don't know if you'd get that but you might if you can do justin jefferson plus and get tyree Hill, you know
0: yeah, plus maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, that's a tough sell. I don't think. I, I don't think anyone that has Tyreek Hill wants to sell him. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, you could probably get a Devonte Adams type, uh, yeah. which would certainly be worth it if you need a wins. I think. Uh, so yeah, you you do have to look at those kind of trades. I mean, I I still think though, in most situations, like if you're off to a decent enough start, like uh, you know, my rankings are looking at the long run and yeah. thinking you can get by three, you know, three weeks without Justin Jefferson, you're going to want him in the fantasy playoffs for yeah. sure. No um, doubt. It, it wouldn't, it's not great news for Kirk cousins. If Justin Jefferson is out for any length of time, either uh, it might be uh very good news for Jordan Addison though.
1: <laughs> sure. And KJ Osborne, I mean, Brandon Powell in deep leagues, like he was targeted a ton in those last couple drives when they were in kind of comeback mode, trying to score. I think the Vikings got a little bit hosed at the end there. I, I feel like I've seen a lot of, Flags being picked up uh, in the NFL lately. I wonder if that was a point of emphasis recently where it's like, all right, you throw a flag, talk to each other, get it right. Um, That one, it's just, I had no skin in the game in this. You know, I I just like was watching the game and just thought that the Vikings got a little bit hosed where it looked like P.I. They threw the flag and then they were like, you know what? It wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) And that stinks if you're a Vikings fan, you know, that just really stinks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the running back side for the Vikings, uh, this is getting closer to being a, a committee uh, between Alexander yep. Madison and Cam Akers. Um, so that's that's something to be a little concerned about. I think as a Madison manager, uh, he only played fifty-one percent of the snaps in this game. Akers was down at twenty-nine percent. So uh, you know it was not like Akers played a ton, but um, you know the Vikings are one and four and. They may want to make some changes. So, like, you could see them decide to try Acres in more of a feature role at some point. Like, that wouldn't be shocking. I just don't – like, it, Madison looked – he he was pretty good the two games before this one. But, like, he's he, he feels a little bit on tenuous ground as the lead back.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And I I, I thought all along, like, they're going to obviously, you know, increase Cam Akers' workload. So, I could see a situation where next week it becomes even more like a 60-40 or something. So, we could even see more Acres. Um, the other running back on the other side, Isaiah Pacheco. we I keep moving him up, you know, ever so slightly. He just looks like there's no other – like Clyde edwards helaire early on in the season, it was like, oh, man, is he going to be the guy again? Are they giving him a chance? No. <laughs> um, and Jarek McKinnon, you know, we've seen games where – he'll have a game here where he has like four or five catches and a couple touchdowns. Like that's going to happen. You won't really know when it's going to happen. That's like the receivers, you, you don't really play them right. Rasheed Rice is looking better, but like can you really trust – even Rasheed Rice moving forward. Probably not. But you can trust Isaiah Pacheco. Like he runs hard. They trust him. Uh as far as I can tell, he doesn't have any big fumbling issues. I think he's just he just keeps moving up my rankings like a DeAndre Swift.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised they haven't used McKinnon more this season, just given the inconsistencies of their wide receiver room. But he hasn't gone over twenty four receiving yards in a game yet this season. Yeah. Whereas like Pacheco is sneakily actually <laughs> getting involved as a as a pass catcher this year. That's to me the big thing because he's always looked good as a runner. He runs angry basically. Yeah. And he's always had a lot of touchdown upside, of course, just being in this offense, but um he's got, you know, at, at least one catch in every game this season, uh often two or three catches, so um he actually has more receiving uh more of a receiving role than McKinnon does in this offense at this point. So that's just kind of icing on the cake i think for for pacheco as like a in- increasingly high-end rb2 yeah uh anyone else from chiefs or vikings i mean the chiefs receiver room just continues to be a mess i mean rashi rice actually he did score in this game but his his number of routes run actually went down as a, <laughs> in this game so like you know the guys that are running the most routes are guys like MVS and Sky Moore who are doing nothing statistically and then guys like Rasheed Rice and Kadarius Toney run fewer routes but get targeted and and make some catches so like and then Justin Watson every once in a while comes down with a long one too so it's just a it's just like this ongoing headache that doesn't seem like it's going to resolve itself anytime soon
1: yeah I liked Sky Moore you know and the promise of Sky Moore coming into the season and even early on but now he just looks like we were talking about Tutu Atwell earlier um, even a guy like Alec Pierce. These are guys who are playing a ton of snaps, running a lot of routes. They're just not involved, you know, like they're not getting thrown to and you can't you can't play a guy like that in fantasy. You don't get points for routes run. So Sky Moore unfortunately belongs on the waiver wire, I think, in pretty much all leagues.
0: Yeah. Unless you're in a in a point per snap league. He's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's droppable. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we are looking at the last game, the Sunday night game and it was a uh, a pasting oh, yeah. <laughs> at the hands of the 49ers 42 <laughs> to 10 over the Cowboys and i mean the 49ers are looking like potentially the best team in the NFL right now yeah uh and you know i love Brock Purdy and i've been on the Brock Purdy train from day 1 uh four touchdowns in this game he's just such an efficient um conductor of of uh, Kyle Shanahan's orchestra. He is he is. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just working out perfectly for this team. And you know, Christian McCaffrey didn't have his best game, but of course he scored because he always scores. <laughs> and uh, this was a George Kittle game. Uh, three touchdowns for George Kittle. Um, th- there's just not much to say on the 49ers side of things. You know, it's like Elijah Mitchell's out, so Jordan Mason looks like a capable backup for however long that's the case, but. Uh, Really, it's just you know, it's more of the same with this team. Just really uh, good, efficient production, and you you don't know if you're going to get a big game every week from Kittle, Ayuk, and Samuel, but you just keep playing them for the for the upside.
1: Yeah, for sure. And as far as Purdy, I I, I'm looking at my rest of season rankings. I moved him all the way up to QB 13, which is pretty high for me because I haven't been on him like you have. So you probably have him a little bit higher than that. I'm I'm looking at yours. You, You have him slightly higher than I do. He's inside your top 100 overall. I have him behind guys like Trevor Lawrence, Geno Smith, Jared Goff. But, you know, I have him ahead of, you know, moved him ahead of, like, Russell Wilson, C.J. Stroud, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson with the injury. Just guys like that. Like, he definitely belongs uh, above guys like that, for sure. Like, I'm, I'm coming around on Purdy. It, it is. It's like, it, it kind of took, like, this primetime game against a good defense for me to see. I mean, a lot of it was Kittle. Uh, but, like, tight end week continued. But, yeah, Purdy... He does. You said it well. It's just like Kyle Shanahan's orchestra, and he just—he's the conductor. He looks awesome.
0: Yeah, it's—it's it's really gone exactly how I expected it would. Like I just thought he would be this like low-end QB one every single week, and that's pretty much what's happened. Outside of Week Two, uh, he's been a top thirteen quarterback every other week, somewhere between seven and thirteen every game. So it's his consistent uh, production there.
1: Yeah, and there's not a whole lot to take away from the Cowboys. I mean, we can talk about it, but like you mentioned San Francisco being maybe the best team in the NFL. Like part of that's part of that is a big part part of that is their defense. And so Dallas couldn't get anything going and Dak had a couple interceptions that were terrible. Like one of them he just threw deep and I thought and they showed him like just shaking his head smiling. It's like, "What did you think was going to happen there, man?" You like over <laughs> your receiver by like 5 yards. It just it wasn't even close. And I, I don't know. Like Tony Pollard, we were talking about him before we started recording. Like we've moved him down slightly. Uh, That might be someone. Like if you're in running back, uh, if you're if you're in need of a running back, like would you trade Justin Jefferson if for a Tony Pollard if Jefferson's like out for three weeks, let's say? Like that could be a good one for one if you're in need of the R B help because I've moved Pollard down, but he still has that upside, right? There there are going to be some better weeks ahead than San Francisco. This is a time to buy probably after a game like this.
0: Yeah, I mean I've moved Pollard down because I was like so I'll say this. I was (laughs) I was fading Dak Prescott coming into the season, so that one I feel like I got right and you know, put that in the same category as Brock Purdy. I I got this right that I had Brock Purdy way ahead of Dak Prescott coming into the season, and that's definitely looking like the right call. But I was also very high on Tony Pollard this season, and that has not worked out so hot lately. But I'm like I'm not giving up hope there. I uh I think they, you know, they've had a pretty decently difficult schedule so far. Um, you know, especially the last couple weeks with uh, San Francisco, New England. They had the Jets earlier, so hasn't been hasn't been that great. They've also had a lot of injuries on their offensive line up to this point, and those guys are getting healthy now. So I'm not going to fa- I'm not going to give up uh, or panic about Tony Pollard based on a, a tough game against San Francisco. I mean, that's just a really difficult test. Um, so let's see if he can if he can start getting it going here, um, you know, they have their buy coming up soon, but they do get the chargers first. So like, let's see what he can do against the chargers before we start getting too worried.
1: Yeah. Or just buy low now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I would, I would recommend that for sure. I I'm, I'm a little more skeptical about CD Lamb though. I, you know, I, like, I still think he's solid, but, uh, you know, I think he was another guy that was a little overrated coming into the season just because, um, you know, we're thinking about the Cowboys of past seasons that ran at a much faster pace and, you know, had Kellen Moore, uh, calling the shots. And, uh, now, you know, with Mike McCarthy is vanilla scheme and with, a, you know, what's usually a really good defense. Like, I just don't know how much volume there's going to be for Ceedee lamb. He's only had one game this season where he had more than seven targets or more than four catches. So, mm. um, it just isn't a ton of volume happening there. It's, uh, it's kind of similar to what I was talking about with uh, Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith, except that he's the number one receiver on a lower volume attack instead of the number two on a higher volume.
1: Well, I'm looking at some of the other receivers, and I see Brandon Cooks, who is still 47% rostered in Yahoo, like, drop Brandon Cooks, for the love of God. Uh, I don't know, like, that's all the games. Like, if you want to talk to some waiver wire guys real quick, like, Brandon Cooks is a guy you should drop. So, like, <laughs> I mean, I assume you would agree with that. So, like... Who should we be adding, you know, this week if we wanted to, like, do some quick hits, either at wide receiver, running back, whatever, we can do some at, at different positions?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I think at wide receiver, it's it's kind of names we've already been thinking about already. I would say Josh Reynolds, to me, um, in terms of, according to the Fantasy Pros list of players under 50% rostered, and I believe you said that includes ESPN and Yahoo Leagues. Um, yeah, he's 41% me- in Yahoo. Yeah, I think he's the best um, ad at wide receiver this week, but it's a lot of the names that have already been talked about, Quentin Johnston and Rasheed Rice. and I mean, Josh Downs had another good game, mm-hmm. um, so I guess you could look at him. But, I mean, Brandon Cooks is even on this list, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's that's crazy. I mean, we talked about Quentin Johnson versus uh,
1: Josh Reynolds, but we didn't mention Joshua Palmer, who also is 53% rostered. So it's close to that 50% threshold in Yahoo League. So, like... I would absolutely. Well, I don't know. I guess I should ask you. Would you would you add Joshua Palmer over Josh Reynolds because Palmer has that role over Quentin Johnson? But we could see you know Johnson overtake him. They're coming out of the bye week. Are you still going bird in the hand with Reynolds there over Palmer?
0: I think I am. Yeah, I think I would go Reynolds and then Palmer and then Johnson of those three.
1: Okay, um, running backs. We talked about the an hour and a half ago about Bears and uh, Commanders, but we didn't really get in too much with uh, Roshon Johnson, Dante Foreman. These are names that like are pretty pretty available on the waiver wires. Now, Roshon Johnson, I think, uh, was he was out pretty early with con- a concussion. So we could see him out, and Dante Foreman has been inactive uh, I think every week. But, like, they're going to have to activate him this week. Uh, they might have Travis Homer, but they're not going to have Khalil Herbert for maybe a month. Uh, so, like, are, are, you, are you prioritizing these Bears, or would you – you know, go go with a guy like Tajay Spears, who we were talking about, or an Amari Mercado, if we find out that Connor's gonna miss a couple weeks.
0: Mm. I think all those guys deserve to be rostered. Honestly, I I would prioritize um Spears probably first, I yeah. guess. Um but I don't know. I mean, Roshan Johnson is definitely got a big opportunity staring him in the face if he can uh just get through the concussion protocol. I mean, like you know, it sounds like if Herbert's going to miss a month or more, uh, you know, Roshan Johnson is a potentially explosive ad. So, yeah, um, I might actually go with him first and then Spears, um, but it's close.
1: Yeah. And Spears has a bye week in week seven. So it's like if you can afford to miss Roshan for a week, if he if the if he's ruled out with the concussion, you know, you've got him potentially with this audition with herbert out for a bit so i I agree with you i think i think i would go roshan as long as you don't necessarily need him for this week because we've seen the concussions guys have been out uh they tend to miss a a week so just expect that if you're picking up roshan you might spend the fab and you might not be able to play him right away
0: yeah but i i would i wouldn't mind bidding fairly aggressively to get roshan johnson because he is Uh, you know, this dynamic rookie who again has a big opportunity. I mean, Deonta Foreman should probably be picked up as well. I, you know, you don't, I don't think you'll need to bid a lot to get him, but, um, I, I would want to see how that plays out, you know, between, I mean, maybe Johnson doesn't get cleared this week and Foreman runs for like 130 yards next, next game. (laughs) I mean, like we've seen Deonta Foreman have (laughs) games like that in the past, you know, so like, um, you know, they're going up against Minnesota, you know, I not the greatest defense in the world, so it wouldn't shock me if, if something like that happened. Um, but I actually think there's a lot of interesting running backs on the waiver wire uh, this week. Um, you know, I know a lot of people have been slamming the waiver wire this week. as like a bad week for it, but there's a lot of these running backs I'd be intrigued by. Um, you know, Di Mercado, yes, for sure, um, w- pending news on... On Connor, but like I said, I think he probably merits a pickup even if Connor's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Kendra Miller, I think, should be rostered. Justice Hill might be the, <laughs> I mean, he might be the best of the bunch. Honestly, like he could be easily the lead back for the Ravens as soon as next week. So he could be. Um, I would, I would certainly want him on my roster. Like some of these guys, I've had all along. Like I've had Justice Hill, I've had Tajay Spears, I've had Kendra Miller. I, I haven't been dropping those guys. So. Um, I, I they should all be rostered for sure. Yeah, Justice
1: Hill is twenty eight percent rostered in Yahoo. We we talk about him every week. I mean, they do they do face Tennessee uh, in London, so not not at it says at Tennessee, but this is a London game, and uh, you know both teams have to travel. Tennessee just got torched a little bit by Zach Moss, so they you, you can get through that defense. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe both defenses could be a little sluggish out there. I agree with you on Justice Hill. Like there are some interesting names here. Um, but I do, I do think the more exciting names are Roshan and Tajay, just cause they're, they're rookies. Uh, they
0: have a role. Roshan really has this audition. Like he, he could take off. Yep. And then, you know, Jeff Wilson is another interesting one because mm. they just, um, they just activated his practice window from IR. So sometime in the next three weeks, they're going to have to, uh, activate him to the, to the roster and, uh, we don't know what the deal is with A Chan's knee, but if if, if A Chan is gonna miss some time, Jeff Wilson could walk right into a very uh fantasy friendly role because again, Mostert's not a bell cow, so there's room for another running back. And if A Chan's out, like Jeff Wilson immediately has our, like low end RB two potential.
1: Yep. Um you wanna talk about any quarterbacks? We've got like you mentioned Sam Howell, who you like, you know, a lot rest of the season. Like he's available in a lot of leagues. He plays at Atlanta which again we slowed down cj stroud tends to slow down the pace a little bit uh you got guys like baker mayfield coming back against detroit uh Derek carr uh who's i don't know not, maybe not exciting i'd probably i'd probably take howl or mayfield over guys like carr uh or Minshew, who i mentioned who doesn't have the best uh matchups coming up even though you could start Minshew for a month but you can start these other guys as well
0: yeah i think Howell is my favorite of the group and then mayfield so i agree with that um you know, Minchu is a, an important pickup in Superflex leagues, though. So, that, yep. you know, because all these other guys are already rostered in those formats. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he could be a, you know, top 20, top 24-ish quarterback uh, for a month, which in a Superflex league uh, gets you. <laughs> for some people, that's like a big deal to <laughs> yeah. get, you know, to, to have a warm body there.
1: True. All right. Um, any tight ends? I mean, Logan Thomas is my guy. He's still 16% rostered. That's just criminal. But Dalton Schultz is 36%. So, I mean, there's there's some names out there. And David Njoku is coming back off of a buy. He's 59%. So, I think it's worth mentioning because he's out there in, you know, 41% of Yahoo League. So, he, you know, he's out there. It's tight end, so it's a onesie position where a lot of teams just have one tight end. So, Njoku could be available as well.
0: Yeah. I I don't know, man. I can't really get excited about any of these tight end options. I mean, <laughs> I guess Gerald Everett could be interesting if, um, if Donald Parham is going to miss some time. I believe he got hurt right before the bye. So we'll have to check on his, his health status because he was sorting, he was infringing on Everett's snaps and especially in the red zone. So it would help Everett's case if, if Parham's out. Tyler Conklin, your boy. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> uh, has, He's he's sneakily been pretty good. He's got fifty plus receiving yards in three of his last four games. Uh, I have him in the Scott Fishbowl, and I've been enjoying rolling him out there. Um, so you know, in a in a standard ten or twelve team single tight end league, you probably don't need to play Tyler Conklin, but uh, he is at least trending up.
1: Six percent rostered in Yahoo is ridiculous. I mean, he's had five or six targets in each of his last four games, and you want targets. I know he hasn't scored, but like, yeah, it's. I talked about him coming into the into the year as like, this is someone who's going to have 500 receiving yards, maybe 600. And if, if he's Aaron Rodgers' red zone guy, he's going to score some touchdowns. Of course, we all know what happened with Aaron Rodgers, so that didn't happen. But like, he's still producing. Like, he still might be a top 12 <laughs> fantasy tight end when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, well, well you know, with Wilson uh, playing a little bit better, it's yeah. back in the cards as a possibility for sure. Yep. All right, so why don't we wrap it up there. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you have any questions for us, you can always uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, I am at Andrew underscore Seifter. And I am at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the
1: show, please follow, share, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone.
0: You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.